Hello, everybody, and welcome to my talk about how to care for yourself during the holidays. And I want to start by saying that I wish you all a happy, happy holiday, no matter how you celebrate. I was talking to a colleague just a little bit earlier, and he said that they had a Buddhist, Jewish, Christian tradition. And I love that. And that's why I love America so much. So anyway, I, you are all welcome at my table, however you celebrate. So what I'm going to go into today is I'm going to talk a little bit about the Food Coach Academy because it launches in three weeks. <sighs> Did you ever do something for like four years, work on it so hard, and then it's like right around the corner? That's what it's like for me. And then we'll talk about how you can care for yourself during this very, very busy time. And then I'm going to do a couple of demonstrations for you, which is why there's a different angle in my kitchen. So the Food Coach Academy launches January 3rd, and that is three weeks from now. And I keep getting questions from different kinds of individuals. So the chefs and the cooks are saying, I already know how to cook. Why do I need to take the Food Coach Academy? Well, for cooks and chefs, the reason is that you will learn how to analyze a person's cooking abilities, what their barriers are. You'll analyze what their palates are like and learn how to cook for those individual palates. So that's a big part of it, as well as you'll learn food concepts. So in the Food Coach Academy, nutrition is there, but it's delivered as food. So I'm not gonna ask you to memorize vitamins and minerals and all that, but gonna teach you which foods help individuals in different situations and how you can work with them in a way that works for them. So we use motivational interviewing and you get trained in that. And there is a research base for the Food Coach Academy, which is focusing on one thing at a time. So that's a lot. And I've had chefs look at the course curriculum and they're loving it. Some take the long road. I know a few of you that are a chef, established chef, and then you took a food, um, a health coaching program. And that's the long way around to becoming a food coach, or you can do it in a year at the Food Coach Academy. And I get a lot of questions from nutritionists and dietitians saying, well, I already know about nutrition. What am I going to learn here? You're going to learn the cooking part of this all. You are going to learn how to best support your client by translating your nutrition recommendation into a culinary skill. So for instance, if you ask your patient to eat more vegetables, you'll be much more empowered if you can teach them how to cook those, especially bitter vegetables, into delicious, delicious meals. So there's that for you. And then we have a lot of home cooks that are at home and they love to cook and they want to learn more about it and they might want to make it a career. People looking for a different career move. So we say that you don't need more than about 10 hours of nutrition instruction to join the Food Coach Academy. You should come in knowing what a fruit and a vegetable is and what a micronutrient and a micronutrient is, um, but just basic, basic stuff. And we cover the rest. So those are the top questions. And now I'm going to go into how to take care of yourself from a culinary perspective. Now, during this busy time of year, and I've been practicing for over 30 years, right? So I have seen this come around and around and around again, 
where a lot of us put a lot of pressure during the holidays, I am, goes a couple of ways. Either I'm just going to eat whatever I want because I'm going to go on a diet in January. And they end up gaining like five, 10 pounds, which you can do in a month if you eat a lot of those holiday foods. So they just throw caution to the wind and then feel gross and stressed. And then January comes around and they're tired and they're not feeling well. And it's really hard to stick to a diet, which I don't promote the big D diet. As you know, the little D diet, a way of eating that's delicious. Or some of us will say, oh, I'm going to be really good this holiday. Good, bad, doesn't belong in the food world. I'm going to be really good this holiday season. And I am going to not drink anything or I'm not going to have any sweets. And that ends up working for a while until your stress level reaches a certain point, And then you start to eat more of it. So what I'd like to have you do, the first thing I'd love to have you do is no matter if you're at home and you're cooking or you're going to a party or you're out and about and people are drinking and, and you're feeling like you're not connected to your best self-decision-making center, if you know what I mean, you just take three breaths. And you've heard me say this again and again, but to get back into your body, to decrease the stress load, decrease the cortisol, and then decide what is it that I want right now. And if it's a drink, have a drink. And if it's a cookie, have a cookie. But just make sure that you're making that decision and not your stress, right? They're two different decision-making areas of our brain. One's more automatic and the other's more deliberate. So I challenge you to be a bit more deliberate this holiday season. I'm gonna show you how to make a couple of really easy treats based on what you have in your house. And we're gonna do that in a little bit. So again, what I am all about is really taking someone from here, I don't like what I'm eating, to there, I love what I'm eating. And a lot of us get tripped up along that journey and it's not your fault. So you are asked to make too many decisions at a time and it's the way we deliver that information to you and that skill building that's going to make a lasting change. So I know we had a question about a, what was it? Cooking on a budget. Like you might not have everything in your house. So one of the best techniques that I use in the Food Coach Academy, and it's something I've studied for the last 15 years, which is this modular approach to learning and behavior change. So when we think to ourselves in this very stressful holiday time, I am going to eat healthy. That's just all that's noise. Because when you say I want to eat healthy, you're talking about doing 160 different things at a time and your 220 food decisions a day, and you are adding more stress to yourself. So choosing one thing you want to focus on. So that's my second major culinary technique. The first is taking those breaths before you make a food decision or you eat something. And the second one is to choose what it is you want to focus on. So it might be, I'm just going to, I am going to limit my amount of sweets that I'm going to eat this holiday season. That's fabulous. That's a lot to do. So don't pile on other things in this very busy time. Make sure that you honor yourself and take care of yourself while you're taking care of everybody else. Cause I know if you're a cook and you like cooking, you like taking care of people. They go together. That's how it works. And 
making sure that instead of maybe having your coffee with all the sugar and the cream, you get into some delicious teas. And when you go to a party, I know this is where it gets wah, wah, wah. And I didn't even want to bring it up because we've all heard it before, eat more fruits and vegetables. But right now, let's just get rid of all that. Let's just get rid of all that. We're going to celebrate this holiday season because goodness knows we all deserve it. And let's just focus on making one change that's going to make us happy about ourselves. So right now, I'm going to show you how to make two of my favorite go-to dishes. The first is going to be working with dark chocolate. And I love working with dark chocolate because it is such a healthy ingredient. So you're looking at something 70% dark chocolate or above. My absolute favorite to use during the holidays because it's delicious, it's inexpensive, it's the Trader Joe's Pound Bar. So I start with this and I'm gonna show you how you can make a couple of things with this. So I am just going to go grab my dark chocolate that's been melting in a double boiler or you can just put, crunch those up into little pieces and you stick it in the microwave on low because you don't want to heat it up high. Chocolate's very temperamental. It doesn't like highs and lows. So I just say to anybody, I'm not going to teach you how to be a chocolatier here, but just melt your chocolate on a lower heat so that you don't bring the temperature up too high and then it comes down too low. Because if that happens, you have something that's called blooming. So I don't know if you can see this very well, but there's little speckles on this dark chocolate. It's totally delicious, but it, it just looks a little funky. And that's because I did it on purpose. I melted chocolate a little higher in heat and then lowered it. So I'm gonna step away for one sec. I'm getting my dark chocolate and I'm coming back with it because we are going to make some chocolate bars. Now, all you need to make your chocolate bar is melted chocolate, a cookie sheet. You can see the cookie sheet right here with a bit of parchment paper. And there are some ingredients. I love these dried fruit. Again, at Trader Joe's, I'm a Trader Joe's fan because it's inexpensive and delicious. So I have some strawberries, freeze dried strawberries. I have from King Arthur Flower, which is one of my favorite places of all time. These are just orange peels. You either can make them yourself or if it's a busy season, you grab them. Hazelnuts are my favorite nut, but there's a lot of other nuts. We've got some almonds and we have some macadamia nuts. Now, for those of you that wanna save money, I am a big believer in what I call build a recipe because we all know how to build. So I'm not gonna to say to you, all right, go out and buy these freeze-dried raspberries and these expensive macadamia nuts because that's the only way I want you to make your chocolate bar. That's not how I roll. What I am gonna say is look and see what you have in your fridge and your pantry already. What kind of nuts do you have? Um, I also like some coarse salt, uh, which goes really well on chocolate. And you're gonna use what you have. Because if I have to tell you to go out and buy things in this holiday season where money's tight and time's not a lot of time that you have to prepare food, I'm making your life more stressful. And I'm here not to do that. So all I'm going to do is I am going to pour some of this chocolate on this parchment paper. And I'm just going to spread it. 
we're just going to spread it a little bit. And you can make this as thin or as thick as you would like. And this is my canvas. Can you tell I love chocolate? I do. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I am going to make a freeze dried. Now I can either make some nice big pieces here, which can look really professional, or I can choose to break them up into smaller pieces. And again, these are, have no added sugar. It's just the sugar that's in them naturally. Again, healthy for you. And then I am going to add, we're going to add some almonds this time. These are roasted almonds. You don't want to have um, raw nuts because then it's going to be like gummy when you chew as supposed to a snap and you definitely want to snap. And you just sprinkle these on as many or as little as you want. These make a fabulous gift. I actually make my cookies every year. I'm famous for my cookies every year, but I also make these chocolates and I send them. These are my Christmas presents. I love through food. It's how I was built. It's how I came into this world. And it's how I'm going to go out loving food. Now I'm going to add some salt, some coarse salt. So you can see some of this. Again, you can be really creative. You can put chili powder on that if you want. There are many, many ways that you can make this. And then I will put this to cool down. Now it depends where you are. I live in Vermont, so I just stuck it in my garage for a couple of minutes and it solidified. But you can stick it in a freezer for a couple of minutes or you could put it in your fridge. But I don't know anybody who has a fridge big enough to have this honking big cookie sheet. And there we have it. Here we have delicious chocolate. And what I like to do is I like to cut it not into square pieces. Eh, I'm just gonna like break it up into random size pieces. And you could put this in a plastic bag with a nice bow. You can either use a sharp knife or you could use your hands. And I don't know about you, but if someone gave me this, for Christmas. I would know you loved me. Delish. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So again, you build your own chocolate bar based on what you have. So melting the chocolate, slow and low, putting it on your parchment paper so it doesn't stick, adding some ingredients, and then you have your chocolate bars, homemade chocolate bars. The other thing I do, which if you are invited to a party and you have very little time and you have some dry fruit in your house, this is the simplest thing and people will love you for this. So I went to a party just the other day and I brought with me because I didn't have time. I didn't. And I didn't want to go to the store. I didn't. I didn't want to spend any money. So I went with a tray of chocolate dip apricots and chocolate dipped ginger. And when I have a tummy ache, these chocolate chip, these chocolate dipped ginger are fabulous. So I'm gonna just show you how incredibly easy it is to do. So I have some honking pieces of Trader Joe dipped ginger. But what you're gonna see me do, and I'm just gonna do it right here, 
I'm trying to keep the water away from chocolate because they're enemies. And just dip this in the chocolate. And you want to go like this to get the excess off. And I'll scrape the side. And here you go. And then this will just cool down just like the chocolate bar. And you can just have your kids help you do this. You get chocolate all over the place. You'll remember it for the rest of your life. And you can create a dish with chocolate-covered fruit, whether that's fresh fruit or dried fruit. I'm doing the dried fruit right now because, again, they can be gifts. And I know for a fact people love them. I've been doing them for years. So that is your easy breezy, lemon squeezy chocolate gifts. And you can bring it to any party that you go to. Super easy. People will think that you slaved, that you're quite the gourmet and check one thing off your list. All right. So now we're going to take a walk to the savory land. And I was fortunate to receive this recipe from a patient's mom. So I worked in pediatric oncology and one of the little tykes, his mom shared with me one of her recipes for roasted pecans. Now I'm just going to grab a cookie sheet again, because we're going to need this in a minute. And I'm going to grab a bowl. Really, really simple recipe. What you need is one egg, because you need the egg white, which you're going to froth. And then you need a package of raw pecans. And where did I get it? Trader Joe's. Uh, so we've got our raw pecans and then some spices. The reason for the whipped egg white is because you need something to coat the pecan or pecan, depending on where you are. Coat the pecan so that when you add the spices, they will cling to it. Now I'm going to show you how to do the healthy method. So this is just one egg white. It was a big honking egg, I know. So one egg white and about one to two teaspoons of water. And I am just going to whisk this till it gets a little foamy. And you don't need to use a machine, just use your hands. A hand whisk is totally fine. And you'll see it's starting to foam up here. Doesn't take long. So that's the foamy, foamy foam. And I'm gonna add my pecans to it and I'm gonna to toss it. And you can see that this is covering the pecans. All right, so we got these covered. I could have used a little more pecans. You don't want excess water in there, I mean, the excess egg white mixture in there, but it's totally fine if you do. It's simply delicious. All right, so now again, you're gonna build your own pecans, roasted pecans. So I made a mistake and I love making mistakes because that's when you learn what's super delicious in the kitchen. So I didn't have my glasses on and I went to reach for the cinnamon last year to make my pecans because it's usually cinnamon, sugar, salt, and you toss them. I grabbed turmeric. All right. I must've been really tired. Yes. Because turmeric doesn't look anything like cinnamon, but I added the turmeric instead. So I'm like, all right, well, I already added the turmeric. So now I'm going to add the cinnamon. And I wanted it. What I ended up doing is making roasted pecans that are cinnamon turmeric and they are incredible. And I'm so glad I made my mistake. So in 
my spice mix, I have some sugar. Now in her recipe, it was about a cup of sugar for about twice as many pecans. I don't do that. You don't need that much because then the, the sweetness takes over and you're not going to appreciate the subtle flavors in the turmeric and the cinnamon. Well, cinnamon is not so subtle. It hits you upside the head, but the turmeric, right? So what I added is for this amount, I added one eighth of a cup of sugar. That's all I needed. And in this spice mix, I added two teaspoons of cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon turmeric, a quarter teaspoon salt. And then we all know that if you're gonna use turmeric, it has to have some black pepper. So there was just a dash, a total dash of black pepper. And the reason is you eat the turmeric, super helpful for you. It has, it enables your brain, it's called BDNFs, brain-derived neurotropic factors. Blah, blah, blah. All that means is that you make new brain connections with the ingredients in turmeric. But if all you ate was the turmeric and you didn't have the black pepper, you wouldn't absorb this. This plus this equals 2000% increase in your ability to absorb the turmeric and all the healthy ingredients to grow new brain connections. Oh, so fascinating. So again, a eighth of a uh, an eighth of a cup of sugar, a quarter of a teaspoon turmeric, quarter teaspoon salt, a pinch of pepper, and one to two teaspoons of cinnamon. And I am going to sprinkle this on here. And I am going to toss it. And you want to make sure it gets fully covered, fully coated. And then we're going to cook it at 325, anywhere from 16 to 20 minutes. It depends on the thickness and how big the pecans are. Some can be honk and honkers and some can be kind of smaller. So you get yourself one of your cookie sheets. Now she asked for butter. I don't need butter. I just need something that is going to prevent my sticky goopy mess of pecans from adhering to the bottom of my pan. My grandma always taught me these are the best tools you'll ever have in the kitchen. She taught me how to do that making brownies. Love her. She's in heaven now watching over. All right, so the other thing you want to do is make sure that it's a single layer. You don't want them on top of one another, right? And I'm going to cook this in a 325 oven for eight minutes. And then I'm going to flip them. That's super important because you don't want them to burn on one side and not uh, and not really cook on the other side. So eight to 10 minutes on one side, you flip it, you put it back in the oven for another eight to 10 minutes. And then what do you get? Oh, I'm going to show you. Do you see these golden nuggets? These are absolutely incredible. You can put them in a plastic bag with a nice bow. Try to eat just one, I dare you. Let me know if you can eat just one. Not gonna happen. So, these are incredible. They're crispy. There's a little bit of sweetness. I can feel it at the back left of my tongue. I can taste the cinnamon and then out comes the turmeric. Kind of hits me a little bit. 
They're so good. So if you need the recipe, just let me know. Actually, you know what I'll do? I will send the recipe and Ruby will put it up on their website for both of these. Um, can't just eat one. They'll make you thirsty, but you should be drinking enough water anyway. So those are my tips. And now if we could go to the question, answer, the question and answer period, I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. So do we have any questions? I don't know where that is, Patrick. I In my email, well, that's good. Can you read the questions, Andrew? I mean, Andrew. Oh my God, I've called Patrick Andrew. I've called Patrick Dan today. You're not the only one whose brain goes, whoo, when is, yes. So Stacy, um, you probably picked up by now. You don't have to go to an expensive gourmet store to get your nuts, your dark chocolate. You don't have to order them in places like your big box stores. Trader Joe's, one of my favorites, um, just because they have it all there. Uh, is a really good reason, um, good solution. The other thing is this whole building. So I know a lot of you know how to cook really, really well because I know that because a lot of you are taking my taste and flavor and you're coming up with recipes that are blowing me away. So when you look at a recipe, don't think you have to run out and get that very specific herb or you have to use that nut instead of a, a nut that you actually have. That you be creative and look at what the ingredient is doing in the recipe. So if it's something that's gonna add some crunch, use something else, use another nut or use another element um, that will bring that crunch. So that you don't have to go out and buy certain things that you're gonna use once and then not use again. So that is one of my suggestions. The other is, you, as you I showed you today, you don't have to go all out. You don't have to get a ton of ingredients and spend hours in the kitchen. What did that take us? That didn't take more than the, the pecans from start to finish, including baking, half hour. The chocolate, literally 15 minutes. So time saves money. And the other choosing something that you have already are the two best ways I know from a culinary perspective to save money. More veggies, less protein. So what you're talking about is the protein flip. Now, I want you to go on your computer and look up CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, and the protein flip. So what that involves is you, and I love the protein flip. It's my favorite technique to teach individuals how to decrease the amount of animal products in their diet and increase the amount of vegetables. So instead of using like a three ounce piece of steak, you literally can, and I do it all the time to, and I serve meat eaters and non-meat eaters. And instead of using, let's say we're going to make a steak stir fry, or I am going to make something like a shepherd's pie or Spanish rice that has ground beef. I am going to use an ounce of that meat and they call it like a, it's kind of like an accoutrement as opposed to being something that is a major ingredient. Now it's a major ingredient. So I'm going to take a step back. So when I design menus for my family or wherever else someone's asking me to, 
uh, plan a menu. I always start with the protein and maybe it's because of my age that we always looked at the protein source and then you designed your meal around it. I still do that, but the protein is like the lead star of the show, but I'm not going to use much of it. I'm going to use a tiny bit of it and I'm going to use double the amount of, um, vegetables and probably one and a half times the whole grains. And when people eat my stir fry or they're eating, I just had people over and had a shepherd's pie. That shepherd's pie had for six people, there was probably, I had one little pack of the lamb and I made probably three quarts of shepherd's pie. It was almost all vegetables, but nobody knew because it was delicious. I used, I bloomed some spice in it. I used some Worcestershire sauce. I created this incredibly delicious, flavorful meal that I didn't need a lot of lamb for. So this protein flip really is a way to use more vegetables and less protein. And you'll learn how to do that by trial and error. Just continue to use less and less of the meat and more and more of the vegetables. And if you're cooking for a family, there'll be there'll come a time where they might say, ah, where's the meat? Right. And so, you know, maybe you went a little too far or something like that, or you can tell them we're working on our health and this is what's for dinner. So that is how I would approach more vegetables, less meat, which is healthier for you and the planet. Okay. It was Trader Joe's 72% cocoa, dark chocolate bar, cacao, cocoa, cacao, whatever. Um, 72%. And they're, the only thing in here is unsweetened chocolate, some sugar, cocoa powder, and soy lecithin as an emulsifier. Uh, four grams of fiber per serving and seven grams of added sugar per serving. So like almost a teaspoon and a half. So you don't need to add any extra in there. And it doesn't taste super sweet, but the sweetness helps to decrease the bitterness in the chocolate. So. I find that that's the best one I've used and I've tried them all. You can also use chocolate chips if you want to go that way to make it easier if you don't have a double boiler and you want to use a microwave. Good question. You can use aquafaba instead of egg whites. Absolutely. Great question. You just want something that's foamy that's going to attach to the outside of the pecans. So I, one of my favorite things right now are charcuterie boards and you don't have to go crazy with expensive items for a charcuterie board, but you can just chop up or buy chopped up vegetables, make your, make a homemade hummus, super easy to do, make it flavorful. Or you could bring any of these things that I showed you today. You can bring the roasted nuts, you can bring the chocolate something that will delight the palate of the people that you're going to, to visit. So not trying to overcomplicate things during the holiday is being really super nice to yourself. So think simple. Simple doesn't have to mean boring. It could be super delicious. So you're going to add a lot of flavor elements to whatever you make, whether that's the hummus, or another dip that's going to go on your charcuterie board, some cheeses. The way that you present the charcuterie board is, is half the 
fun. You can sprinkle some pomegranate seeds on top of it. Maybe put a little bit of, of um, evergreen around the corners. Just make it super pretty. Yeah, it doesn't work. You're, right. You're talking to someone who also struggles with the amount of sugar that I eat. And it's been a constant struggle um, throughout my whole life. And this is the deal. So research shows that if you totally get rid of something, that you want more of it. So I'm not a believer in totally taking something out of your diet unless you have a true food addiction there, um, like a sugar addiction or a chocolate addiction, something like that. And I have learned to not beat myself up. And this is probably not what you're going to want to hear. So when it comes to not being able to stop, what is it you're hungry for? Are you stressed? Are you lonely? Are you emotional? I eat sugar for good reasons, bad reasons, all of that when I'm stressed. And it's a sign for me that I need to pay attention to myself. Taking those three deep breaths before you decide to have that sugar, really good tip. Before you automatically grab for the rest, just take a quick walk outside or just try and break that cycle. And if you do choose to eat that chocolate, absolutely no shame, absolutely no blame, no shame, nothing like that. I developed this Food Coach Academy with the concept of food stories. So when we choose foods that might not be the healthiest for us, there's a reason we're doing it. And it could have started in our childhood. Where did you learn to, I'm not saying you, I'm talking about everybody. Where did you learn to grab this sweet thing or this fatty food um, when you weren't feeling well? There is a reason for that. And in order to get a hold of that, takes number one, two, and three, compassion for yourself. Compassion, compassion, compassion. Then it takes awareness. And then it takes one step at a time. So if right now you're eating four cookies at a time, Try for three and give yourself a week or two of eating the three until it feels normal. And then maybe try for two until you're able to train yourself to enjoy what you are eating. Because a lot of us who crave sugar eat it so fast, you don't even know you ate it. It's like, I've been there. I've had a piece of chocolate and I'm like, did I eat that? And I actually have to go check the bar to see if I actually ate the chocolate because I didn't remember eating the chocolate because I was working at the same time. So savor, 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 just be kind to yourself and take itty bitty steps towards your goal. Yeah, I just use a spatula, um, a regular spatula and here. And depending on the size of your spatula, now I wouldn't use any of the plastic ones, but a big honk and honker. This is a big honk and honker. I say that word a lot, but um, because that hot sugary stuff, you don't want it on your hands. So I just go in and just flip it over like I'm doing a pancake, just like that. And if you have a smaller one, it's just in smaller bits, pull it out of the oven. Don't be flipping it in the oven. People, nope, not safe. You pull it out, you stick it on top of your oven, you flip, and then you put it back in. Good question.
besides raw vegetables and popcorn, crunchy snacks. Um, so I did this experiment when Michelle Obama came out and uh, she wanted the schools to make healthy, uh, to make healthy um, options for their kids. We had to resurrect a whole cooking apparatus in one of the kitchens that hadn't been working in like 30 years. And what we did is we took chickpeas and what I mixed these pecans in, you can do the same with chickpeas and you roast the chickpeas. The kids came running down the hallway like Cinnabons was in the house and they were super delicious. So um, roasted chickpeas, that's a really good one. Um, you also, if you're worried about calories, then not a lot of nuts, but some really delicious nuts like the one we just made right now, having fewer of that. And again, I can't just stick with the culinary people. I've got to go with the what's caught is the crunch. Is it is there something that you're trying to work out with the crunch? Um, or is it just purely you like crunchy food? Totally fine. Um, if you're looking for energy dense, which you're not because that has a high amount of calories with no nutrients, those are your chips. Pretzels are a healthier alternative. They're high in sodium, but it gets you that crunch. And I always like to want to crunch something a little crunchy, salty. Um, I might do a little bit of pretzels. They're just like dead food, though. I mean, there's nothing really in them except a bit of salt, which isn't healthy at high amounts anyway. So I would say try your chickpeas um, and come up with savory recipes and come up with Cinnabon-like recipes and let me know how it goes. healthy dip for raw veggies. Yes. And it's one I actually saw in Ruby. So it's the cashew cream cheese that you all make. Um, so when I am building a dip, so again, we're going into the building concept. So you're going to start with the base, whether that's you can make raw cashew cream, the recipes on Ruby, or whether you're going to have, uh, Miko's has a vegetable, um, based cream cheese, or sour cream, or you're going to use something that is, if you don't have a problem with dairy, use the dairy product. So that's your base. Everything you add into that, you need to think to yourself, how can I make it more flavorful? And I do this with everything I cook. So for instance, if I was to add some chopped up onion into my dip, I'm going to caramelize those freaking onions first, and then I'm going to add them to the dip because they're going to blow up the flavor in the dip, right? So I'm going to caramelize those onions. So I'm going to make them more, I'm going to have more robust flavor. The spices, I'm not just going to pour the spices in. I'm going to toast them or bloom them dry on the stove to bring out the flavor of those herbs and create this aroma full, flavorful experience with those herbs. And you can add whatever you choose to add. So spices are always in there. You've got your vegetables in there. You know, if it's, you know, spinach, you want to make the spinach maybe a little more savory, maybe add some spices to it, or a little bit of soy sauce, something that's going to bring out that flavor. Um, so it's making sure whatever you add in, you up it a level in the flavor. So do I have a specific recipe? I don't. And that's just how I, I work. And that's how I'm training food coaches to work. Because when you go into someone's house, they might not have everything for the ingredients, but 
you know that you need your vegetables, your base, your herbs, and then you're going to create something together. Hope that helps. My decor, woo, Costco. Seriously, these were Costco. They, and they were like so freaking, they were so inexpensive. Yeah, no, it wasn't Ikea, it was Costco. And they, I think there was like 10 or 12 of them in it. Perfect size. If you're gonna do ice cream, which I'm allergic to dairy, but if I did vegan ice cream, I'm gonna use this bowl because this bowl, not a good idea. But thank you. I love them. They're two different colors. Thank you. So it starts with you experimenting again and again. And you're not coming to the table a blank slate. Right? You're coming with a palette that's been set. Um, you can change your palate, absolutely, but uh, are you a super taster? Are you sensitive to fat or sugar? Um, are you a thermal taster? All of that comes in when you're sit standing here ready to make your recipe, your palate comes with you, your whole cultural tradition and what was passed down to you, if anything was passed down to you, what you're used to eating, that surrounds you. So when you see a recipe you put your flavor into it again. So if you see a recipe and you really like the recipe and I do this. So like if I see a recipe for something new that I hadn't had, like, okay, quesadillas, right? I never made a quesadilla until like two years ago because my kids wanted a quesadilla. So I learned how to make a typical quesadilla and I was like, okay, this is good. But then I added my own spin on things and added the ingredients that were, uh, that spoke to me and to my family, to my cultural tradition, to my palate, my kids' palates. And I tweaked it. And you're going to continue to tweak the recipes. Again, looking for those foundational elements. There'll be a base. If something calls for rice, maybe use quinoa instead. Or millet or amaranth or buckwheat groats or whatever it is. But you can interchange the grain that's in the recipe. You can interchange the uh herbs and spices that are in a recipe. You can interchange the protein sources and you continue to create a delicious dish. And they might not be the same. Any two might not be the same. Mine, mine never are either. I'm making a soup and I'm like, oh, I have this today. And some of them are like, oh my gosh, I wish I remember what I did there, which I kind of do, but, and then I move on to the next one. So you need to experiment and that's the best way to find the recipes that are going to be your own. You're going to put your own spin on it. And I can't tell you how to put your spin on it because I'm not living in your body and I haven't lived your life and I don't live where you live. So um, experiment and I hope deliciousness follows you wherever you go. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. So you're looking for the red bar. That's the dark chocolate one. So are we done with questions? All right. Well, everybody, I wish you a happy holiday. I wish you moments of peace, laughter, and joy. And may 2024 be filled of delectable bites. Happy holidays. <laughs>